0: 97X, the future of rock and roll with Hindu love gods and Raspberry Beret. Dread Zeppelin with their version of Black Dog and Suzanne Vega's Tom Diner, the DNA remix, got it all started. Uh, Tonight on the six-pack at 1020 brought to you by Coors Light. We feature a six-pack of Ohio bands guided by voices. Wait, they just dropped a new album. Oh, hey, they just dropped another album. Uh, (laughs) Wussy, Devo, Brainiac, Wigs. In fact, we could probably make it a case Tonight at 1020, there's so many Ohio bands we could refer to Dave. here at 97X, the future. Yeah, Dave, Dave no, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right about the case part because there's yeah. dozens, double dozens of great bands from Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, 97X yeah. is no more. No more six-pack, no more <laughs> radio station, no more air shift for you, my friend. It's just the so, podcast. You're, you're at palatial State. Every- I'm in the party dungeon. And we just get together every once in a while and chat on a podcast about 97X. Is that why I
0: haven't gotten a paycheck for quite some
1: time? (laughs) Well, that has nothing to do with it, because I don't know if you got much of a paycheck when you were there. but. The good news is, Dave, on our podcast, somehow you always seem to conjure up magical guests. And today we have a freelance writer extraordinaire, music fan extraordinaire, and somebody who wrote a book a few years ago called Rebels and Underdogs The Story of Ohio Rock and Roll. So your six pack would certainly fit.
2: Wow. And mm-hmm.
1: Garen Pernia joins us right now. Garen, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Uh, it's, I read your book. Uh, I'm late to the game. The book you're came the out in, in, in 2018. No, no, no. I just checked. I just checked on Amazon, and it's number 12,118 in rock and roll music wow. books. So you're wow. moving up the charts, thanks to me. Um, but no, it's it, it's a great book. I just read it recently. I know it came out a few years ago. But uh, tell us about the genesis of the book, and then how you you know walk people through what the book covers.
2: Well, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, you know, like I'm a brainiac, as you said, guided by voices. Um, when I grew- was growing up, I wasn't really maybe as aware of the bands. And then I did kind of a weird trajectory where I moved to LA and then I moved to Chicago in 2004. Um, and then of course, in my intro of my book, I talk about how 97X was sort of an influence on me when I moved back home to Dayton for eight months before I moved back to Chicago. because I started listening to a lot and I realized like, I had a lot to say about music because it was like about 2003, 2004. It was like indie rock was the thing. Um, so I got more into that. And so when I moved to Chicago, I started like going to shows and like doing concert reviews and uh, reviewing albums. And, and like, honestly, Chicago was like a great scene for that. Like, all the bands and Palooza pitchforks. So I did that for seven long years. And then on a whim, decided to move back home kind of near. State and I moved to Covington, Kentucky and then kind of continued to to cover the music scene but then doing it in Cincinnati and going to shows and and like covering, interviewing local bands and things like that and I realized just how many great bands have come out of Ohio and like I don't think the average person really understands like Devo is from Ohio or from Akron like I don't think people understand that or know that and so I just thought I guess the the genesis was actually I wanted to write a book on Kim and Kelly Deal of the Breeders and then that's what I pitched to my publisher or just do specifically Dayton and they're like just do the whole state <laughs> and then I started like doing a lot of research and realizing like each kind of region had a different sound, like the Dayton sound, Cincinnati had a very different sound, Cleveland was more industrial punk, and kind of delving into the history, but also trying to connect it. And i guess my thesis of the book was why have so many great bands come out of ohio what inspired that and i think a lot of it was just boredom honestly like growing up in the suburbs having access to a garage a basement uh, just the idea of wanting to leave your hometown and uh, but there's so much creativity and collaboration and so that's what i just wrote about
1: yeah and it's very cool it was very interesting i learned some new things and you kind of break it down by different geographic areas in Ohio, right? So you cover Cleveland, yeah, and you yeah. do Akron, and Dayton, Cincinnati, Columbus. Yeah, which was, I thought, a neat way to introduce folks to to the scene that developed around there. Because like you said, it was different in different cities.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Devo, because I, I do think they just don't get the props that they deserve. You know, like yeah. the influence that band had and the groundbreaking type of music that they did and their style and th- what they brought to it. And everybody kind of goes to the Whippet video and, oh, they're wearing flower pots on their head. But, like, <laughs> they don't go deep. Those are the energy music.
2: domes actually. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I know. I know I was acting like a dummy, but you know, like so <laughs>
2: other people don't.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, what, what is it about? Like if you had to sum up, you know, Devo, which is tough to do, but what would you say that, that they brought to the table?
2: Well, they were just kind of more like art rock, kind of uh, definitely weird and quirky. But, but I hear their music all the time, like in TV shows and movies. So, there's obviously something there that people still uh, are engaged with. And, like, they're also obviously political because of Kent State. Um, you know, I interviewed Jerry Casale in the book, and he said like that's how it kind of they came together out of, like, this political protest, so I don't think people realize that they're, like, this kind of almost political band, even though it's maybe, doesn't come across so much in their music, but, but they talk about, you know, devolution, and which I feel like we're living through right now, like, they are kind of ahead of their time in a lot of ways, I think, with, with other themes, and, you know, you can listen to their music today, and it still sounds, like, relatable and fresh because of everything we're going through, and, you
0: know, I have a confession to make. Uh, I you know, worked in radio for many years, been a fan of music for, you know, decades. The only fan club I joined and still currently am in is the Devo fan club. Really? Wow. It's yeah. amazing. And, and I would have loved to have seen some of their shows out west. I wish they would do uh, some shows closer to, you know, southwest Ohio. I just not available to travel right now. But but even just a handful of those shows that I've seen online, they still bring it, and they are like you said, still relevant.
2: Yeah, they are. They're still super relevant. Um, so much of their music, you just really start to listen to it and hear what it's about, and yeah.
1: As, as you look through uh, the list, you know, as you started to cover these bands, do you, do you feel like oh, most of these bands underrated, overrated? You know, didn't get enough attention. Like, and I know it's tough to blanket all of them, but what do you feel like? Does Ohio punch above its weight, below its weight?
2: Um, I would say for the most part they're all underrated. Like, I mean, like Twenty One Pilots, obviously Black Keys, but do people really know they're from Ohio? I mean, I don't even know. Like, like are they part of like that Ohio sound as much as someone like Devo? Um But but yeah, I think Brainiac is pretty underrated still, even though there's like a lot of like coverage in the documentary. But um, yeah, that's why they're the underdogs, I guess. Because <laughs> even today, I feel like they get more people should know about these bands and some of the more obscure ones I talk about and things like that.
0: Well, well I don't think there's. Is- i guess one of the things for ohio is there's no identifiable sound as you mentioned in the book it's it's areas but you know uh, people don't a lot of people don't know if they're not from cincinnati that the nationals from cincinnati they they have no idea you know they're from there a lot of people you know 21 Pilots you brought up was what columbus i believe yeah they're based out of yeah um you know there's no real sound i mean i mean brainiac was off the charts you know, way ahead of their time uh, you know, there's no way you'd go, hey, that's a Dayton, Ohio band, because you'd be thinking it should be funk because it should be the Ohio Players or somebody like that. So, it, yeah, it is pretty amazing, the breadth of music in this state.
2: And if you look at, like, Dayton bands, like Brainiac's very different from Kind to Boy Voices, and they're very different breeders, you know, and you have these three bands that are sort of, like, the best known from that area, but they're all very different in sound and
1: and and you mentioned in the book, like you said, uh, and as we talked to you too, some of it is is boredom and access to a garage, and I think you also mentioned that some of it is maybe you're not under the magnifying glass like you would be in New York or L.A., where it's like, hey, we got to make it. This is our big chance. It's more like, hey, we're just doing it to amuse ourselves, and then maybe a scene develops out of that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And there's also this DIY ethic like we're just gonna do it all ourselves we're not gonna have like producers managers you know like yeah it's very different when you're in the midwest and you're bored and you're just like let's just play let's jam and see what happens instead of like having that pressure of a record deal or going to la or new york and i think it was um you know like some of the bands talked about that when they they finally like went out west or you know, with la and they again they got these record deals and you see that happening a lot in the 90s these indie bands getting these big deals and then it then it's like oh we don't have creative control anymore it's all these corporations preying on us and then those like i think um you know there's a lot of bands even ohio like that and you realize well this isn't what i want to be doing i don't want to be selling out i just want to like play my music and be nice if i can make a living at it but i'd rather not sell out so
1: yeah Yeah, and and like you said, you get signed, and you think, oh, now this is it. And then, you know, the first record or the first two records don't sell like the label thought they would, and they just drop you. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, You mentioned, you know, in the intro in your book about 97X, what's your history of listening to the station?
2: So, you know, growing up in Centerville, Ohio, I mean, the 97X signal was kind of weak, like, it's it some kind of come in and all like my car, radio, you know, like it wasn't strong. So I wouldn't listen to more like top 40 stuff. But then when I moved back home to Dayton in 2003, I went and worked like this very boring job at GE, like doing data entry. And we were allowed to kind of like, listen to music or stream stuff on our computers. And that's when com was around. And so I would just sit there and do my mundane job and, like, listen to, like, modern rock and, like, all these new bands and these older bands. And, like, for me, it was a great way to discover just so much, like, new stuff and old stuff. And, again, like, I realized I had something to say about music, and that's, like, right around the time I started writing my um, record reviews for this website no longer around called Coke Machine Glow. (laughs) So I feel like 97X at that time in my life really inspired me to pursue writing music about music and helped me like get me through these, the drudgery of the day and and then of course I remember like growing up with brain Man you know the whole thing you know I was aware of that and and then when I come came back and moved to, to Covington you know I you constantly see people wear their ninety seven X T shirts, like at concerts, and you know, like it's just a reminder of what what existed, and and I think that's great that people keep it alive. And but yeah, it was definitely an influence on me at that time. So,
1: and and you mentioned that you originally thought about doing the book on the Deal sisters, Kim and Kelly, from from the Breeders, and Kim, of course, in the Pixies, and um, what uh, drew you to them
2: because they're just so, like, themselves, I guess. Like, like there are these rock goddesses, and, you know, Ke- or Kim was in the Pixies, and, like, they're breeders. I remember them, like, being on the cover of, like, Spin Magazine. And, like, they were one well, of, like, their bigger bands coming out a while at that time. And they're just so down-to-earth, but they're so talented. And they make it look so easy, you know? <laughs> what, what, what they're doing is very intricate. And just, I wanted to write just about... Daytonians, you know, and, and I met Kelly a few times and I just thought there was an interesting story of how they sort of came up, these women rockers too, like battling misogyny, sexism, you know, and just creating this addiction as well, and just creating this, this beautiful band and this music and, you know, just, just not really caring what people thought of them, just them just doing what they wanted, so, um, but <laughs> they have no interest in having me write about them. So uh, I guess that's not going to happen. But
1: Well, you you mentioned women in rock. So uh, some of the other Ohio uh, women, uh, obviously Chrissy Hind and then like Elisa mm-hmm. Walker from WUSI. You know, what stands out about the, the women in rock and the, the journey they've had?
2: Um, well, you know, if you're a woman, you're obviously going to have to work much harder than man, no matter what and you're going to have to deal with sexism and uh, it's still prevalent today but you know you know Chrissy Hine wrote about her memoir and she was sexually assaulted and things like that but like she's still doing it you know like these women they just they're just amazing and they just go go for it you know despite the odds against them I think and you know he, like there's the band Skrull from Columbus were three women in it. Like, at the time, that was pretty rare. And even maybe today, and that's what's great about, I think, the breeders too. You got three women and one man. Um, you got, lead, you know, Heartless Bastards. You got, you know, like front women too. And it'd be great to see more of that and rock and roll with women leading the way like that. But you do have a lot of that coming out of Ohio as well. And because I think we think about, like the nine inch nails and, you know, very masculine type, you know, bands coming out of Ohio or the black Keys and uh but Guided by Voices is very masculine. So but then yeah, you do have a prevalent of these these really kick ass women, I think. So just doing their thing and
1: Yeah. And thank you for mentioning Scrawl in the book because it's a fantastic band. that, Again, very underrated. And I was lucky enough yeah. to see them when Super Chunk was playing up in Columbus a few years ago. And, and they had Scrawl open up for them, and they wanted to. And Mac McCann from Super Chunk could not say enough nice things about that band. And you could tell the mutual respect and admiration was there, which is very cool to see.
2: Yeah, and Marcy May, she like owns Ace of Clubs, Cubs in um, Columbus, like, she's a bar runner now, and you can, like, just go and, like, talk to her. <laughs> it's, like, kind of interesting. And but I think they're one of the bands that had, like, these big record deals that didn't really quite work out for them. And, like, it's one of those what could have been type of things. But, yeah, they should be more recognized because they were great.
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, with some of these Ohio bands, because they are different, they are unique, they're not part of the L.A. scene or the New York scene or whatever, like sometimes labels know there's talent there and then they just don't know what to do with it.
2: Exactly. They they, they don't probably even listen to the music. I don't think sometimes they just want to sign people and they don't even realize what they're getting into. Yeah, exactly. But
0: uh, There was a point in the mid-'90s where Cincinnati was – called the new seattle after the explosion because you had the afghan wigs and ass ponies got uh signed a major label Throneberry, uh yeah as well too um and and there's always an excitement in the air when you would go to shows in cincinnati because you'd be thinking hey they might be discovered tonight or you know whoever might be discovered tonight um, and, and uh, that was a kind of a unique period to live through in Cincinnati, too, when they were, you know, considered the next hot place. You know, Rolling Stone magazine wrote about it. Um, uh, Spin magazine even talked about it as well, too. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, that didn't quite happen, but, well, like, who wants to be the next Seattle, really? Like, just, yeah. just be your own thing. And mm-hmm. But, yeah, I guess that was a weird time, like, the late 90s when I feel like, that kind of scene petered out. And that was probably because when Tim Taylor died mm-hmm. in 97 and that just, cause they were on the verge of signing to a major label, you know, they had done shows with Beck and like, you know, uh, they were like on the at verge and that just kind of collapsed. I think the whole scene in Dayton and also maybe affected Cincinnati though know, Cincinnati had Afghan wigs and, and like, they, they kind of kept going. Cincinnati did what Dayton did not as much. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, and also just the end of the 90s became just a very different time in music, I think. You know, the rise of Napster, you know, the record labels stopped signing indie bands, and music didn't become as good, I feel like. (laughs) It was just like a different time.
1: Well, the book, once again, is called Rebels and Underdogs, The Story of Ohio Rock and Roll, Garen Pernia, is her name P-I-R-N-I-A and she has her <laughs> website G8 and it's just first name last dot com. so you can check out some of her work there and Garen it's been great catching up with you and thanks for shining the spotlight on Ohio rock and roll and thanks for being a 97X and Waxy fan
2: Yeah well thank you for having me I really appreciate it I love talking about music especially Ohio and whatever you know keeps the 97X memory alive this is great that you're doing this and I'm sure a lot of people really appreciate it, so...
0: 97X Now on another note, I notice you don't have a damn lick of music in this town. We do not believe in such ostentations. Well, I am about to change your mind. Introducing Rock and Roll! Rumblings from the Big Bush